this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. If you don't know me, my name's James. Normally I'm stuck behind that laptop or the uh, sound desk. Can we give the guys on sound a clap, please? They, they hardly ever get a clap. Um, so I lead that team there. Well done, guys. You sound great this morning. Um, right. We do need the anointing. Um, it, it was great that that was there at the, at the end of our worship because um, as I was preparing this this week, I came across this quote from Tozer. So he said this. He said, the Bible is a supernatural book and it can only be understood by a supernatural aid. Okay, so we don't have a chance this morning unless, unless the Holy Spirit is here with us, unless you guys have the anointing to understand what I'm saying. So I thought it'd be great this morning if we start off by praying. Um, I'll pray for myself, but also for you guys too. Dear Lord God, thank you so much for bringing us together here. Lord God, thank you for um, the worship and thank you for meeting with us. Oh Lord, I pray now as I, as I bring the word um, this morning that um, your Holy Spirit would be here, um, opening our eyes, Lord, and um, helping us to understand the, the great mysteries that are contained in this book, Lord. So Lord, yeah, be with us now and, and thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. In your name, amen. So, um, the last few weeks, we've been looking at 2 Corinthians. Um, if you could turn with it to me, that would be, that'd be fantastic. Graham started off by um, preaching about divisions in the church, how we can avoid it. And then a couple of weeks ago, we heard, um, we heard about the shameful things. Uh, I think we were described as the shameful things at one point, okay? How we are used to glorify God. Um, so I'm going to read chapter 2. I'm going to read all of it. So it'll help you probably um, if you can follow it with me. Um, It's quite long. Is that you, Brad? We just clapped you, Brad. (laughs) When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, But not the wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard 
No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except a man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. A man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I, uh, when I first read this, so I first sat at my desk and started reading this, I, I chuckled to myself a little bit. Um, I think Graham had this in mind for me for a long time, that, that opening passage is fantastic for an intro for me. Okay, so I want to talk about three things. It's not the person we are, but it's the message that we bring. Um, the second thing, I want to talk about God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. You'll hear things being echoed about what we've heard this morning. And I also want to talk about the mind of Christ. It ends with quite a bold verse at the end there. We have the mind of Christ. So it's not the person we are, but the message we bring. Let me read it quickly again. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but God's power. So it's a really, really complicated, um, you know, long chapter, this. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, I've got to get prepared. You know, I, I need to get all those things that we expect from a preacher, um, I've grown a beard. Um, that was since the summer, you know. David, you know, the, the wisdom, you know, there's some amount of wisdom from that. Um, I, I'm going to try and make eye contact with you. I'm going to try and have a nice big voice. I tried on my check shirt this morning. Um, it was too small, so I had to leave that at home. Um, but look, we've, we've got all these things, and, you know, the, those are... Those are all small things. You know, I've even got my iPad this morning. A modern preacher needs his iPad. Um, these are all things that the world looks at. Okay. In this passage, Paul outlines that he doesn't care much for any of them at all. He says in there, all he really cares about is him preaching Christ crucified. That's it. It goes further than that. It's not just Paul's opinion. All through the New Testament... Paul is described as anything but this modern church leader that we kind of, uh, you know, seek out, you know, the trendy pastor. Um, he didn't really have a glitzy job. He didn't dress too great either. And listen to this. In Acts 14, they, they first went out to, um, 
to the pagans and they preached the word. And it went really, really well at first. Okay, it went really first. In Acts 14, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their language, the gods have come down to us in human form. But listen to the gods that they give them. Barnabas they called Zeus. And Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Now, I'm not very good at all the mythology bit, but Zeus is the father of the gods. He's depicted as massive, you know, really big muscles, like above everything. Hermes, on the other hand, if you have a look at him, how he's depicted, he's always quite skinny. He's got rubbish sandals on. And and actually, he's the son of Zeus, the weedy one. And then he's described in 2 Corinthians like this. His letters are weighty and forceful, but Paul, in person, he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Okay, so that's a quote that Paul uses about himself. The precluding bit of 1 Corinthians is all about the shameful things. Remember from a couple of weeks ago, the shameful things that God uses to glorify himself. Okay, Righteousness, holiness, redemption, they're all from the cross alone. No one can boast. Are we concerned about the message of the cross? That Jesus, the Lord of all, the creator of the universe, came down and died for our sins. Are we telling our friends? And then when we're stood in front of crowds of people, do we, do we really care what we look like? Do we really ha- care how we go about things? Or are we focused on that message of the cross? It's very, very easy for us to water down the gospel. To say that God loves everyone and be okay no matter what. No, the message of the cross is what Paul preaches over and over and over again. And it's worth noting that actually in Acts that time he got stoned by those people who called him Hermes. Okay. And it was kind of, they didn't really like it. Secondly, God's wisdom is revealed by the Spirit. This is quite important. Verse 6 says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, no eye, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. So, as we've heard before, Corinth was full of intellectuals. They were great at debating stuff. They really, really loved, you know, that kind of, um, that interaction in the meeting places and even the synagogues, okay? Everyone would have been well aware of Jesus and what happened in Jerusalem. It was, it was recent history. They would well have been aware of the Jewish need for the Messiah, okay? The Jews were still waiting. The mature here, um, have a look, I think it's in verse 6, the mature. In other verses, they're described as the perfect. That's us. If you're a Christian sat here today, you are the mature, you are the perfect. You're not perfect because of what you've done, you're perfect because of Jesus forgiving your sins, but we are the mature and we are the perfect. There is a really, really strong message in these verses that only the mature and the perfect, us, Get the plan, get the mysteries of God. Okay, 
it's really foolishness, foolishness to everyone else. Um, but we don't really know the full extent unless we've got the Holy Spirit. Okay, So this goes through the Bible. The disciples we heard last week, Simon sat in the boat um, looking at that huge catch of fish, the miraculous catch of fish. Jesus went against all convention, remember, to get these fish. And Simon really didn't, he still didn't know who Jesus was. It wasn't revealed to them yet. Jesus said to the disciples how fortunate they were to see all the miracles, to see all the things that had gone on, how the prophets of the Old in the, in the Old Testament would have loved to have been there. He said to them later in Luke, so this is when he finally revealed who he was, when the disciples finally got it. This is how it went. It's at the end of Luke. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. There's a certain amount of frustration there, isn't there? Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And so this is at the end of Luke. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Only at that point, when Jesus appeared to the disciples, when he opened their minds, did they understand the whole scriptures. Okay. Jesus even forgave the person that nailed him to the cross. The person that nailed him to the cross did not understand who he was. He didn't know the mystery of heaven. Okay. So Jesus forgave him because he didn't know what he was doing. Think about Abraham. Abraham was promised your descendants will number as many as the grains of sand on the earth. You know, So, so Abraham sat there thinking, right, okay, I, I think I get this. I trust in God. There's going to be loads of us. We're going to have a big family. But he had no way of understanding the true kind of pattern and how God was going to bless us through that family, through that nation as it became. He couldn't have even thought, like the land was promised to him, but he didn't, like we heard about Jericho this morning. He couldn't have even imagined Jericho, those walls falling, going into that land of the milk and honey. The, the plan wasn't revealed to him. Isaiah, as God showed him in a dream, Jesus crucified and raised from the dead, even then he didn't know God's mystery, how it would go through and that we'd all be forgiven and that would be a new heaven and a new earth. Paul, the writer of this book, he, he really knew what happened with Jesus. He really knew what happened with Jesus. But yet, after hearing all about the miracles and hearing people's testimonies, hearing the greatest preacher and one of the first preachers, Stephen, we stoned Stephen, he still didn't get it. What did it take for Paul? Well, it took a Paul like a a body shock experience of the Spirit, where he met Jesus on that road. And it's amazing, isn't it, that at the end of that, when Paul, because Paul was blinded by it, at the end of that, when he received his sight back again, the, the Bible describes like scales falling from his eyes. He could see, he could appreciate the message of the gospel. It was that incredible. So in verse 10, could you all look at it for me, please? Verse 10 God has revealed it to us by his spirit. 
That is so important. So we're, we're, we're preaching Christ crucified, but until it is revealed to us by his spirit, until it is revealed by his spirit to the people that we're talking to, nothing's going to happen. First of all, are, are you part of the mature? Those perfect? If you're not, I really want you to think about whether you want to be, because you get to hear from God. Second, I want to suggest the way that we pray for our family and our friends who are not yet Christians. Let's really, really pray for them that the Holy Spirit would reveal the mysteries of his gospel to them. Because until that happens, well, well, nothing will happen. (laughs) Nothing will happen. Let's think about the mind of Christ then. Verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand that what God has freely given us. Then verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. There is a whole proof here in chapter 2 of who the Holy Spirit is. A whole proof. Paul goes through this describing that um, we have no, no way of knowing what someone is thinking. Okay, I, I can look, at, look around at the moment. I, I think I know what some of you are thinking. I can kind of guess. But unless I'm unless I am you I don't really get it now I told this story last week to some people if you could just laugh at the appropriate moments that would be fantastic Um, last week I thought I knew what an animal was thinking okay now last week I took Bo to a a farm and it it was a great great time it's one of these places where you can buy one of these pots of food and go around and feed some animals And we went into this barn and there in one of these pens was the biggest lop-eared pig you've ever seen in your life, okay? I can't even reach out long enough, okay? A massive pig. And being the father, you know, I want to demonstrate how wonderful God's creation is and how um, comfortable I am with it. I thought that I'd feed this pig, okay? So Bo stood next to me, um, peering through the, the little gates like this, and I... I got this food on my hand, and because I know what I'm doing, I have my hand flat like that. So you don't want to get your finger, do you? So I got this food on my hand, and I put it through. I'm looking at this pig, and I'm thinking, "You want some food, don't you?" So I put my hand through, and the pig comes trotting over. Looks quite happy, actually. And the pig wasn't thinking that at all. What the pig was thinking was. That food looks nice, but your chubby hand holding it looks even better. I I ended up up to my wrist in this pig, okay? Um, And if you haven't felt some pig's teeth on your hand, it's quite painful. Anyway, pulled my hand out, laughed at Bo. (laughs) Nice pig, it's a bit bad. Bo had a great experience. I didn't really. I had my hand bitten by a pig, okay? Okay. Now, 
I thought I knew what that pig was thinking. I, you know, that, that's what I'm, I'm getting across here. I thought I thought that pig was really hungry for some nice little tiny bits of food. But unless I am that pig, I cannot understand. Now, I bet this is the first time that someone has compared a pig to the Holy Spirit. Um, and forgive me for that, but that's the best illustration I could come up with. Unless we are God, unless we are God, we cannot appreciate what he is thinking and what his plan is. Okay? And that's the amazing thing about this proof that Paul uses about being a man and knowing what he's thinking. Paul demonstrates here, he illustrates that the Holy Spirit is not an add-on. The Holy Spirit is not a nice thing, that we, you know, a wonderful thing that we experience on a Sunday. The Holy Spirit is God. Okay. And the amazing, incredible miracle of grace when we get saved is that we receive that Spirit. Okay. We receive God living in us. That's amazing, isn't it? What's more amazing is what follows on. Okay, so we have the mind of Christ. That's what it says at the end of chapter 2. We have the mind of Christ. It means sharing in the plan, the purpose, and the perspective of Christ. So I want to kind of talk about a little bit about what that is. Having the mind of Christ means we get to understand that his plan is to bring glory to himself. To restore creation to its original splendor and to provide salvation for sinners. It doesn't mean that we can think on God's level. Okay? That quotation from Isaiah that's in there right at the end, we cannot think on God's level, but we do have a new capacity to think and act more like Jesus. Jesus acted in a very, very particular way, didn't he? We can identify with Christ's purpose, hopefully, if we have the Spirit of God in us. Christ's purpose to seek what was lost. He saw not the rich people, do you, re, re, you know, the, not the rich people, not the glamorous people, not the people that wear check shirts or have a beard or, you know, all the other stuff, okay? He went to seek the lost. There was that Zacchaeus, you know, that horrible short man that no one liked that collected everyone's taxes and gave them to the Romans, okay? He went and seeked out Zacchaeus. Are we doing that? Are we seeking out the lost? Christ had a perspective of humility and obedience. In Philippians 2, it says, Christ, the maker of the heavens and earth, was obedient even to death on a cross. That's the ultimate, isn't it? Um, the the all-powerful God was submissive, obedient, and humble. So when God asks us to be humble and obedient to the little things, okay, we really need to be thinking about, well, Christ went that far for me. How obedient and humble can I be in this situation? Jesus Christ had compassion, amazing compassion. In Matthew 9, He'd just come to the end of some amazing preaching. Incredible preaching. Healing. He did everything. The crowd loved him. Massive crowd. And he stood there, and the verse says, Jesus had compassion on them. 
He looked out on all those people and he just felt massive compassion. Where are we with that? Do you have compassion on the people that you see when you're walking through Derby, when you see things on the news? When you hear about ter- terrible things that are going on, when you hear about injustice, but also when you just sit in your staff room and you look around, do you have compassion on your friends and family who do not know Jesus yet? Jesus had an amazing dependence on God. In Luke 5, Jesus had again done some amazing preaching, some amazing healing. The crowd... This is work's iPad, by the way. Um, it looks okay. It looks, it looks fine. Um, Jesus had amazing dependence on God. Um, Jesus had dependence on God. The all, Jesus could have done anything. Like, the, his power was limitless. He was God, but Jesus had dependence on God. And it was a prayerful dependence as well. Okay? A prayerful dependence. So like I was saying, he'd, he'd come to the end of another preaching um, stint. You know, it seems to go like long blocks of it and healing everyone. Again, the crowd loves him. But there's this tiny verse, and if you could, if you could look it up, because I absolutely love it. It's Luke 5, verse 16. In there is, we, we all know when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane to the Lord, he said, uh, you know, let this cup pass from me. So if there's any other way that we can do this, apart from me being crucified and separated from your love. We all know about those prayers, but I love this verse. In Luke 5:16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So amongst all that busyness, um, amongst the crowd that loves him, I, I kind of imagine it like the, the disciples would be going about their business and they'd turn around and Jesus was just gone. Um, that he'd withdrawn himself to go and pray. So that dependence on God was really, really strong. Um, here's the amazing thing. We will be perfect one day. We will be like Jesus one day. If you're sat here as one of the mature, the perfect that Paul describes earlier, you will be Christ-like one day. Um, none of you are, I'm afraid, at the moment. Okay, not fully Christ-like, but we're, we're getting there. We will have a new body and a new mind. What steps are we taking now, though, to become more Christ-like? How are we becoming more like him every day? How much compassion... Dependence on God, obedience, and purpose do we have? We can only receive this from God by asking. I told you there was a lot in it. And I'm scraping the surface here. And we can only really understand it, remember, with the Holy Spirit. But to sum up what I've managed to, to get from it, and, you know, it is amazing. Number one, remember, it's, it's not who we are. It's the message we bring. Are you actually telling people about Christ crucified? Your, your work colleagues, your friends, your family. 
are you actually telling people about Christ crucified? God can use that, no matter how, um, yeah, no matter how unpopular you are, no matter how badly dressed, um, no matter how badly you put across that message, God can use that. Okay, it's not for us to influence that; it's God. Number two, do not depend on the wisdom of this age. Remember, Paul says it's coming to nothing. Okay, absolutely nothing. Don't depend on the wisdom of this age. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to heavenly wisdom. Okay? Heavenly wisdom. Three, all of this can be encompassed by being more Christ-like. What steps are you taking? What steps are you taking to become more Christ-like? Because then all those other things will slot into place. I think a great place to to start would be here on a Sunday to just ask God to to do that in our lives, you know, to to help accelerate that process. You know, I I doubt there's one person here that wouldn't want to become more Christ-like. So we'll pray in a minute, and uh, and band, if you could come up, and and we'll close with a song too. Um, If you could all stand, that'd be great. I don't want to call people up because I am absolutely certain on that, what I said, that there is not one person here who doesn't want to become more Christ-like. Okay? I, I know that for certain. Okay? So I'm going to pray that, you know, like I said, that that will be more accelerated. But as we respond in this song, I'd like you to think this week, this week, how can I be more compassionate? How can I be more dependent on God? How can I obey God in whatever he's asked me to? And that purpose, to seek and to save what was lost, how can I do that better this week? Okay, so I'll pray and then, Band, if you could um, lead us with our, our closing song, that'd be great. Dear Lord God, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for sending your spirit to um, illuminate what I'm saying, to make it plainer and clearer. Thank you, Lord God, for um, the way that all of us here can respond to this in some part. Lord, thank you that by putting our trust in you, we we want to be more Christ-like. Lord, I pray that this week that process would be accelerated. Lord, that we would get closer and closer to you, more and more dependent. And Lord, that you'd Yeah, be with us this week and that we tell our friends, our family. Lord God, all we want is your kingdom to be glorified, for your name to be glorified, your kingdom to be progressed, Lord. Yeah, Lord God, start that process and accelerate that process in us now of becoming more Christ-like. Amen. Church Podcast. 
Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.